All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, uh, LifePoint family. Uh, welcome back. It's good to be with you this week. Sorry I missed last week, but grateful that we have a pastoral team and not just one pastor, but a group of pastors who can help lead and, and teach. I got, my family got leveled by the flu, like starting two weeks ago. So I know a lot of us, anyone else been dealing with sickness? Nobody wants to raise their hand and show everybody, right? But you know, I know it's, it's been going around. So I hope you guys are doing okay. It's good to be back uh, with you. Guests, uh, grateful to have you here with us this morning. Uh, I've had a chance to meet a couple of you already this morning, but I'm, my name's Cale. I'm the teaching pastor here at the Delaware campus. And just a resource I want to point you towards guests as you're here and you're new. I know sometimes being in a new place with new folks, a little bit overwhelming or intimidating. So one of the things we try to do just to help you along in that process, there are some QR codes on the chairs in front of you. Or if the QR code is a little finicky, you can just type in lpguest.com lpguest.com. Uh, just type that in. Ignore that for just a moment here, but lpguest.com. Um, well, while it goes dark, good time to see your phones. lpguest.com. Go there. You'll find guests. All the resources for this morning are there on that page for you. So that's a web page we've developed specifically uh, for you. It'll have all the message notes for you this morning. Uh, it has everything just sort of new about our church, our church calendar. So if you have any questions, lpguest.com is a great place to go. But obviously, please reach out to us in person as well. We're out at Guest Central. You can find any of the staff members before you leave today. Uh, speaking of the screen, you can go back to that. Uh, LifePointOhio.com. So I'm going to ask a favor of you. If uh, guests, that's not really for you, but if you're part of the LifePoint family, and you don't have the LifePoint Ohio app yet, uh, we're going to use that later today. So if you feel free, please take a moment right now and uh, hop on. You can search the Google Play Store or the App Store, search LifePoint Ohio, and uh, just search those keywords there. That'll bring you up to our app. Um, download the app if you don't have it already because you will need that or we'll at least uh, use that uh, later on today. And while you're doing that, let me remind us of one other thing. The giving tree that out, is out in the lobby each year at the end of the year, we take an opportunity just to try to bless uh, folks within our church family who could use uh, a financial blessing at this time of year. And so uh, I know that's not always something that's super comfortable and, and maybe you're in that position and you're like, I, I don't, I'm not going to share that with anyone. And so what we do is there's a place to nominate someone. There's a QR code by that, that tree. So if you know of a family or of a person within our uh, church family that you say, man, they have had a a difficult year and they could use that blessing this year. Please nominate them and let us know. And we would love as a church to be able to uh, just bless them uh, this year. With all that said, uh, if you have a Bible, go to Luke 12. Luke 12, that's where we're going to be this morning. We started a series uh, two weeks ago. Uh, missed one week last week, but we started in Matthew 6. We're going to end in Matthew 6. We'll be in Luke 12 this morning. But the big idea of the series, the series is called Kingdom Values. And the big idea is that living in the kingdom means giving toward things that matter. That living in the kingdom means giving toward things that matter. And so we said, hey, you know, all through October, we talked through taking this step in personal ministry, uh, taking the step to serve. If you haven't yet served, using God, blessing or uh, really following the Lord as far as your, your time. Lord, here's my time. I'm giving that back to you. Here in November, we're talking through our financial resources. And we're talking through what Jesus taught about really the love of money how we handle the resources, the, ta the treasures that God has given to us, and specifically about fighting the love of money by making it a regular practice of giving it away. And I said this week one, I know sometimes it's a sensitive topic for folks and never do we want you to leave thinking, I, you know, they just want my money because that's not true. What we want for you is to love Jesus, to know how loved you are by him, to know him and be known by him. But as we teach through the whole counsel of Scripture and we go through the Scriptures, Jesus talks about this a lot. And as we said week one, it's because money is one of the primary idols of our hearts and our souls. And the love of money can shipwreck 
people's faith and keep us out of the kingdom. And so what Jesus teaches through, the reason we keep saying kingdom, kingdom values, living in the kingdom, is because when Jesus started his public ministry, all throughout his public ministry into the rest of the New Testament, you see the apostle Paul talk about it and others, they keep talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. And then when you believe in the good news and you're saved by grace, through faith in the crucified and resurrected Jesus, we say it a lot here, Jesus doesn't just become savior, but he also becomes Lord, king of your life. And you enter into the kingdom. The New Testament tells us our citizenship isn't ultimately here, but it's in heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom. And what happens is, as you follow Jesus, there are things that increasingly mark your life. Things that you stop doing, things that you start doing. You begin to live out the values, not of this world, but the values of the kingdom. And that really sets us up pretty well. So that juxtaposition, living, are we going to handle our resources according to the values of this world or will we handle them according to the values of the kingdom? That sets up really Luke chapter 12 and all that we're going to talk about this morning, the values of the world, generally speaking, particularly in the culture in which we live, say your resources are about you, 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 and it's about getting more, more, more. Generally speaking, you could summarize it that way. It's all about you, you, you. It's all about more, more, more. When you look at the values of the kingdom, you see it's all about him, him, him. And it's about being wise, wise, wise. And generous, generous, generous. Fighting the love of money by giving it away. And so let me give you the setting of Luke 12, right? What happens here in Luke 12? We're going to start in verse 13. But the setting is this, that Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom. And right before this, I mean, you get through the Lord's prayer where our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He talks about greed. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about hypocrisy. Like he's teaching them some really important stuff. And in the midst, right in the midst of him teaching about all that, somebody shouts out, this dude shouts out from the crowd with a request for Jesus. And this is what he says. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It was uh, customary that when a father died, he would pass on his inheritance. When the parents had died, they'd pass on the inheritance. And the older son often got a double portion. So presumably, maybe that's what this debate is about, right? Should it be a 50-50 split or what portion goes to this brother? But Jesus' response, look at it, verse 14. But he said to him, Jesus said back to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? In other words, what the world does that have to do with anything? Let's just pause and note what happened there. Because I've never really noticed this before. But in reading this, again, the context is that Jesus has been teaching them about the kingdom of God life-altering, like meaning of life type stuff, right? Be aware of hypocrisy. Be on your guard, as as he's going to tell them a bit. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about our Father in heaven. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Like they've been waiting for this guy for a thousand years, more than that. that. He's telling them the kingdom of God is now here. Repent and believe the good news. And as he hears all of that, this guy's response is, hey, Will you settle a family money dispute for me? And you hear that, and when you really think about it in context, you're like, talk about missing the point. Hence, Jesus' response to him, like, what what does that have to do with me? (laughs) Who made me an arbitrator over you guys? Right? I mean, to put it another way, like, he's got Jesus in front of him, but he wants, like, like Judge Judy, right? Like, I, be Judge Jesus for me for a moment, right? Like, I want you to handle my family dispute. He's got the Son of God in front of him, 
But all he wants is for Jesus to handle his family monetary dispute. If I could say it this way, the man is so, so, so you could say it's like it's an exercise in missing the point, but I think it's bigger than that. He missed what Jesus was saying and all that Jesus was doing because his mind was so preoccupied with matters of money. He was so focused on what he thought Jesus should do for him in the arena of money that he missed really what Jesus could truly do for him. So focused on material temporary wealth that he misses everything Jesus is saying about eternal wealth and eternal treasure. Again, he's got the son of God in front of him, but all he can think about is money and wealth. And so he misses the entire point. That's why he asks this incredibly random question in the middle of Jesus teaching them about the kingdom of God. I wonder, let's be honest with ourselves for a moment. Does that prick any of our hearts today? Are any of us honest enough to maybe admit that we resonate with this man? You say, what do you mean by that, Cale? Well, you wake up thinking about money and wealth. When you daydream during the day, you're thinking about money and wealth and how to get ahead and how to make more. For some of us, if I were to ask you, what has happened in the stock market in the last 30 days? You could give me a very detailed answer to that question. And if I were to say, hey, what has God been doing in your life in the last 30 days? Could you answer it with the same enthusiasm? Some of us, we wake up, we're thinking about money. We go to bed, we're thinking about money. Your mind is preoccupied with matters of wealth and accumulation and houses and cars and 401ks and retirement or comparing yourselves to other, you're thinking constantly about why you don't, I should have what he has or I don't have what she has or how you thought you'd be making more at this point in time in your career, how you don't have enough or you wish you had something else or you feel undervalued or underpaid at work and your mind is just kind of consumed with those things and all the while missing out on what God is doing in your life and saying to you and wanting to do in your life because you're so preoccupied by matters of wealth and possessions. And listen, I'm, I'm not, like I love, I love this church. I'm not trying to pick on anyone. It, this is a danger for all of us. This is a danger. The love of money easily finds its way into our hearts. And that's what's happened for this man. It has enslaved him which is why Jesus says what he says next. Look at verse 15. This man asks, right? Jesus misses the whole point, clearly is preoccupied by matters of inheritance and wealth. And Jesus said to him, or said to them, so he first answers this guy, what in the world does that have to do with me? But then he takes it as an opportunity to have a little bit of an object lesson here. He says to them, take care and be on your guard. That's two statements by the, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Or, or greed, this looking around you, and I don't have what he has, I need more, I need what they have, I need to get this, if I could just get that, I'd be happy. He says, be on your guard. We've said it before, the Christian life is not a lazy river ride, it's a fight, it's a marathon, it's a race, it's something you have to be vigilant. He says, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I want you, if you're a note taker, please underline that, circle it, and commit it to memory. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his or her possessions. I, it is such a wonderful statement. It is so powerful. It is such a good reminder. Your stuff is just stuff. Own it, but don't be owned by it. 
Your stuff is just stuff. And I, I've kind of chuckled, you know, we've teased about this before. Like there are certain Bible phrases that make it onto our coffee mugs and onto the walls of our homes, right? And the nice cursive script. I have never seen this one. I've, ne- I've never walked into anyone's home and above the wall is one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions, which honestly, I think we should put it on it. It'd be kind of ironic, wouldn't it? It's written on your possessions, right? Like you're looking at your mug. I love this mug, but life does not consist of this mug, right? Like it would be so healthy for us. But I, and I know like I'm, I'm joking, but like in all seriousness, how many of us need, like we, all of us need that reminder. You look at the house and you're like, I love this house and brand new home. We just bought it. Great, live in it, use it for ministry. And remember one day it will be demolished to the ground. You look out at the new car you just bought and sacrifice, like, I love that car. Great, use it, get from A to B and remember it will rust like everything else. It's just stuff. And Jesus is saying, your life, what he's saying here is one life does not consist. He's saying the meaning and purpose of life are not found in the pursuit of wealth and the accumulation of possessions. And I don't know that any of us would say that out loud. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if I would sit down with any of you and say, what do you, what's the meaning of your life? I mean, what's the purpose of your life? I don't know that any of us would look back at me and go, it is to accumulate as much as possible in this life. That's what I'm after. But how many of us, if we did an honest examination of our lives, might find, man, maybe I've fallen into that. Because it's both inside and out. We can't blame it entirely on culture, right? We got to look inside our hearts and say, hey, there's something inside of me. So advertising would not exist if it didn't appeal to something inside of us, right? If there wasn't something about going, and, and let's just be, I mean, we've, we've joked about it before. Like you never drive around, there's no billboard that you drive around and you see it and it goes, be content, you probably have enough. What does it tell you? I mean, the whole advertising exists to tell you whatever this product is they're offering, you need that. Somehow this bag of Cheetos is gonna change your life. <laughs> Red Bull will give you wings, right? Like, I don't even know what that means, but it's crap, right? Like, it'll, it'll give you a high for a while and then you'll crash. That's what it'll give you. But somehow, right, it tells you, market, I mean, marketing exists to say, if you get this thing, you're gonna be happy. It'll make, it'll, it'll make you happy deep, deep down. And, and yet we all know that's not true, but it appeals to something in us that says maybe what I need is more. If I made more, if my salary were more, if we had a bigger home, if we had a nicer car, if we got to go on more vacations, if we had more of a retirement fund, that's, we'd have security and joy and contentment. And Jesus says, guys, your life, the purpose of your life, the meaning of life are not found in the pursuit and accumulation of wealth and possessions. So he says, be on your guard against that because it'll seep in pretty easily. And one of the, I mean, really the chief way we're on our guard against it, some of the chief ways is he's going to talk about, give it away and keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Be satisfied in him and treasure him above all, above all else so that the earthly treasures really fade away and they don't have a hold on your heart. What Jesus does is he makes the statement, then he tells them a story to illustrate it. So look at verse 16. <clears throat> and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Now, once again, remember, he's telling this story in light of what this man just asked and in light of what he just said. Your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And note as well, as he tells the story, details are important. He says, the land of a rich man. The dude's already rich. He's got more than enough. 
right? And he has this banner year, this bumper crop that moves him from millionaire to multimillionaire, right? From multimillionaire to billionaire, right? Or from, I mean, whatever, from wealthy to more wealthy. I already have more than enough. Now I have more than more than enough. And what he begins to do is begins to wonder, what am I going to do? Now that I've been given all these extra resources, what am I going to do with them? In verse 18, and he said, I know what I'll do. I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. One uh, commentator said, this is the first century way of diversifying your portfolio, right? And it's not necessarily wrong, as far as I can tell, right? They just, just the like, I'm building bigger barns and I'm storing them is not, it really depends on what are you going to do next? For what, to what end, right? You've diversified the portfolio, you've stored all the, what are you going to do with it? And verse 19 is where we find the answer. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And that's the fateful hammer stroke. It wasn't just that he built larger barns and he sticks it all in there, but then he declares, what's his intention with this? And it's all about enjoying himself for the rest of his retirement years. Retire early. And as one famous sermon put it, shuffleboard and golf my way into the presence of King Jesus. He has, there, do you notice there is no thought, there is no God dependence, no kingdom investment, no generosity, only self-indulgence. He has an enormous year. He's got more than enough for the rest of his life. And there is zero thought to, Lord, what do you want me to do with the resources you've entrusted me with? It is, man, sit back, kick back, relax, and enjoy yourself for the rest of your life. And here's the tragic irony of the story. The rest of his life is a few hours. Verse 20, but God said to him, you're a fool, fool. This night, your soul is required of you. Tonight comes the heart attack. Tonight comes the massive stroke. Your, your life is over. You don't have, right? The, the irony of the story is he like, sit back, right? Years of just self-indulgence ahead of me. And the Lord says, you don't have years. Tonight, your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus in 21 tells us, what's the point? He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one, he says, this, you're a fool when you lay up treasure for yourself, when we take all the stuff that God has entrusted us with and we make the purpose of our lives, accumulating those things so that we can then enjoy ourselves and not be rich toward the Lord or toward others. He says, man, that's foolish because life comes to an end and you can't take anything with you. My boys, uh, they were asking us this past couple of weeks, we were driving, taking them to school. I said, daddy, are we rich? <laughs> so, well, it depends on how you answer that question, right? We talked about Elon Musk. I'm like, not compared to that guy, right? And so, and I said, even culturally, right? I was like, as a culturally speaking, I said, no, I mean, we have more than, we've got more than enough. We have, what, we have more than we need, but, but maybe not considered rich. But they asked again yesterday and Morgan, and I just had a chance to give them a, a better answer, right? To walk them through. They like, man, in everything that matters, we're insanely rich. 
because of the gospel, because we have Christ. And so, yes, we are, we are rich. And the way, that, the way that we be rich toward the Lord, we said this a couple of weeks ago, right? How do we be rich toward God? By loving him, by obeying him, by giving to the poor, by investing in the work of the kingdom. So that's the warning, but here's what I, so I wanna try to guard us against something, all right? Uh, My fear is that some of us will hear this and we'll go, okay, I get the point, right? How much do I have to give (laughs) to be okay with God? Or maybe flip that around. Some of us say, how much do I have to give for God to be okay with me? And our hearts go to this like, how much do I have to give to sort of appease God? And if, can I just, just be honest with you? Like if that's where you are, I think you're missing the point. I think that would indicate you're still in love with money and you still think your stuff is your stuff and it's not God's stuff that's been entrusted to you. And that's where that comes from is, man, my pursuit is still money. My pursuit is still wealth. That's what I love. So how much do I have to give it away though? Like, you know, to be a good Christian or to get God sort of off my back, how much do I have to give away? And I would say, I really think we're missing the point. Because when you set this story and Jesus's teachings in the context of his overall teachings, and in the context of the gospel, you see, wait a second, it all belongs to the Lord. And the point is that God wants us to find, to treasure him so much that we're freed from the love of earthly treasure. God wants us to understand that he made us his treasure. We sing that, right? That he should make a wretch his treasure. We should be able to, to understand and really amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And when we really come to understand the way that God loves us and how much he's given to us, it breaks the hold that money has on our lives because we're like, man, I got something so much better. Are we rich? I don't know. We're insanely rich in the ways that matter. So it doesn't still matter so much how much we make. We have an opportunity. If we have what we need, we can be content with that. We can learn to give it away. But it's so important that we understand this right here. The gospel is the basis for our generosity. Why are we generous people? Why does Christ call us to be generous? Why does God say, give it away, don't let it seep into your hearts? It's because, you're, because of the gospel. You're already insanely rich if you have turned from sin and trusted Jesus with your life. God gave to you and it frees you to give to others. Why do I say that? I could probably read a couple of dozen verses, but let me read two of them to you. What's the most famous verse in all the Bible? Leviticus 1.1. 1, 1. I'm just kidding, right? John, John 3.16, for good reason. For God so loved the world that he what? Yeah. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What are we after when we chase the pursuit of wealth? We're trying to find happiness. You already have eternal life and you've, through Christ, beat death. It doesn't get any better. The, the material stuff's not gonna solve anything for you. And then he goes on, Romans 8, verse 32. Romans 8 is sometimes called the greatest chapter in the Bible. And at the heart of it is this statement, he who did not spare his own son, but what? Yeah, he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, the apostle says, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Guys, the point is something happens when you experience grace. When you experience the gospel and you embrace the gospel at a heart level, generosity doesn't have to be forced from your life. It flows from it. You stop asking the question, how much do I have to give God to 
to get you off my back to, Lord, with what you've entrusted us, how much can we give away to others? How much of a blessing could we be to others? How much could we invest in kingdom purposes and give to the poor and my life not be a pond where it just sits, but a river where it flows and it blesses everybody who's downstream? Something happens when you experience grace, when you really, but, but you've got to experience it. And you've got to understand and embrace the gospel to understand, man, I've been given Christ. The Father gave me a son. Jesus gave his life that I might have the forgiveness of sin, an eternal inheritance, adoption into God's family, brothers and sisters in Christ, a new life, a new slate, a new start. I am insanely rich and you are insanely rich in all the things that eternally matter because you are his and he is yours. And when you know and embrace your spiritual inheritance, your eternal wealth, it frees you to be generous with the material wealth. So what do we do then, practically speaking? Right? It's a pretty big picture in some ways. I want to take us, I've read us this, this, this passage before. I want to take us to 1 Timothy 6. The apostle Paul is speaking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he's telling him, how do you shepherd people in this area? What do you, what do you tell them? And it has always been so helpful for me. And I, I, reading it again has been, what's fascinating is as you hear it, note how steeped in Jesus Paul is. Like everything he says is just like kind of a restatement of everything Jesus said. But he says it in a practical like, hey, as we think about living as a, as a church, as believers, this is what he says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age, in this present world, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Which note again, it's not wrong to have wealth. Jesus didn't get to the end of the story and says, so it is with everyone who's wealthy, you're in trouble. He says, so it is with everyone who's wealthy, who stores it up for themselves and is not rich toward the Lord. It's okay, it's okay to have stuff. It's okay to enjoy stuff. You don't have to feel guilty about that. You got a chance to go on a vacation this year. Praise God. Thank him for that. Use it as a time of rest. Be grateful. Be grateful for all that you have and don't put your hope in it. And don't be arrogant about the fact that you make more than somebody else. Don't, don't fight that temptation. I feel better than somebody else because our salary is bigger. Our house is bigger. Our cars are nicer, right? It does not matter. That is not, God doesn't look at us, not judging us based on what's your square footage, you know? <laughs> And then he says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. To be generous and willing to share. Put limits, if I could say, this to, to, say it to you this way, put limits on how you live so that you can increase what you give. Your lifestyle will always balloon to what you make unless you intentionally say, we're gonna live on less so that we can be generous with what God has given us and entrusted us with. Be ready and willing to share. And in this way, he says, when you do that, when you put limits on now to say yes to greater things later, when you give it away, when you are not arrogant, you don't put your hope in it, but you say, Lord, we want to be re ready and willing to share. What happens? He says, in this way, they will lay up treasure. You will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, as we do that, right, that could sound a little bit works-based. Like, here's what you need to do. Paul is assuming we understand our identity in Christ, that the gospel is the basis for our generosity. The gospel is what makes all of this make sense. 
why would a group of people say no to temporary pleasures, say no to accumulating more, say no to the constant pressure to upgrade our lives in order to say yes to giving it away, giving to the poor, sharing with others, investing in kingdom purposes, giving towards the work of what the Lord is doing in our midst. Like why? Because of Jesus, because of the gospel because there are people who need to hear the gospel, because there's an eternity coming and that's where it matters. And as we give it away, it breaks the hold of money on our lives. And we put, we put money back where it really matters, treasure in heaven. And we lay hold of the life that is truly life because Jesus is King and he commands us, man, leverage your life in a way that makes a difference for the kingdom. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna share with us, I wanna close out sharing a few uh, very practical things uh, about as we head towards next Sunday, uh, about the commitments we've talked about toward next year. Some of us, this may be brand new information for us, but I've tried to talk about it over the last uh, couple of weeks. I know again, we missed last week, so we're sort of one week behind, but I wanna walk us through a couple of things here, all right? So starting the series, I told you, hey, as we head towards November 20th and really starting today, this week, next Sunday, we're asking folks, will you make a one-year commitment, as we talk about stewarding our financial resources to make a one-year commitment toward the work of our church in 2023, right? So very, very practically speaking, I'm gonna address, hey, what are we giving toward here in a moment? But practically speaking, um, if you were part of MOVE, so guests, this is really not for you. Uh, we love you, glad you're here. LifePoint family, anyone who calls LifePoint home, this is for you. If you've been here and you were here for MOVE and you were here for our BUILD initiative, um, and like God has been very faithful to us and many people have sacrificed. Some of us who are new, the chair you're sitting in right now was sacrificed for by someone else who sacrificed financially in order to help uh, facilitate and build these resources because God, since we've started, has been so faithful. We've grown from about 150 to 175 people who moved up here in 2016, who lived here, said, we're gonna worship here. So today, as we gather, we've not only had the opportunity to plant out in Marion, send about 75 to 100 folks there, but about seven to 800 people are gathering here on a Sunday morning. And we're so grateful for that. But if you've been part of Move and Build, I'm not asking you to take another step, all right? That's between you and the Lord. And I really wanna say thank you. And I'm just asking you to do some math, right? So if you're like, hey, here's what I give on a monthly basis. You can times that toward, by 12. There's a calculator on your phone. You can do it, right? Times 12, just fill out. And here's how to fill out the commitment card, right? So we're asking folks, would you do this online? Um, at the bottom of your notes section on the app today, at the app notes, on the bottom of that, there's a big old line that says 2020 commitment card or 2022, or three, excuse me. What year is it? 2023 commitment card, right? It's right there. If you wouldn't mind clicking that, you can also, if you're on our website, lifepointohio.com, there's a pop-up card that'll show up on the very home, just on the homepage. Click that and fill it out online. If you're like, I cannot do digital in no way, shape or form. We have physical cards available at Guest Central, but here's what I'm gonna say. Martha Huff, our dear financial director, we love Martha. And every physical card that comes in, she has to enter in one by one, right? And so let's just love Martha well and do it digitally, right? Let's bear burdens together as a church, right? If you need to do it physically, that is okay. And we will help Martha in that way. But uh, I would love to present Martha that gift of, look, it's all done uh, digitally. And so here's what I am asking, right? Fill out the card. For some of us, that's gonna be as simple as just math. For others of us, just like in October, 90 people took the step to say, I'm gonna start giving of my time for the first time and serving in this way. 
historically, there's been about 30 to 45% of our church, people who would say, hey, LifePoint's my home, who have just given nothing toward the work of the Lord in the context of our local church. And I'm not saying that to guilt anybody, I'm not. I am saying that to say, if, if that's you, and you're like, man, I, I, I'm here, LifePoint's my home, but I've never given sacrificially, sacrificially or consistently, I am asking you to pray through this and take a step because this will not happen. We will not move into 2023 well because 25 or 30 or 50 families take a step, but because all of us take that step and commit together. All right, so that's practically how to do that. You can fill it out on the website. It'll pop up, say commitment card. You can fill it out on the app notes. And then if you don't like Martha, grab a paper card, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's guilt tripping, right? If you need a, if you need a paper card, grab a paper card. Let me, let me answer, I wanna ask a question and just give two examples. What, am, what are we giving toward? If you're saying like, hey, what am I giving toward? As I commit toward this, what am I giving toward? Guys, guys I, like we could go through a dozen or more things where we could talk about student ministry. We could talk about college ministry. We could talk about children's ministry. We could talk about uh, staffing. We could talk about having a facility to meet in. We could talk about local missions. We could talk about our partners, our serve the city partners that we give towards. We could talk about domestic missions and church planting. We could talk about global missions and the partners that we have across the globe. And to be honest, if you want to see some statistics on this, uh, the 2021 annual report, you can look back at that. That's on our website on the missions page. Or if you click the give button, it'll say 2021 annual report. You can see how many people were baptized last year. How many people got into life groups last year and into community? How many people attended on a Sunday morning? How many new people we saw come in and join us on a Sunday morning? There's a lot of stats if you're a stats person, right? And I would encourage you to look at it. But I wanna address two things specifically. One is more internal and one more outward focused. The first one we talked about a little bit last week, increased Sunday morning capacity. Starting probably in January, we're gonna start building stuff, right? And eventually breaking stuff, which makes me sad, but it's for, it's for the ultimate goal. So we're gonna exp expand our auditorium 47 feet back, right? And push this stage all the way back. And that gives us the opportunity to add about 400 chairs in our auditorium. We're gonna build a multi-purpose room for our kids on Sunday morning, for our students to be able to use on Sunday night. This little lobby out here will expand and probably be more than double that size. It, we're gonna finish out, I think it's between six and 7,000 square feet of our existing facility just to steward this facility well. We had extra space when we moved in that we could not finish at the time because of resources and we're finishing some of that now. And it's not about 400 chairs. It is about the people and the families. If God continues to grow us, we're, we're nearing max capacity as far as Sunday morning, the people who can join us and worship together without feeling like you're doing this. And so right now we've got about seven to 800 people joining us on a Sunday morning. And with this expansion, we anticipate should the Lord want to grow us in that way, we'd be able to grow by about 50%, right? Towards 11 or 1200 people joining us on a Sunday morning. And we're working towards that. So that's, that's one thing that we're giving toward. And, and I'm be honest, we, we've stored resources over the years to prepare for this. We have some financing available to us, but there's still about $100,000 there that we can cut things out of the project. We've got some hard decisions in front of us, but I would love to see us take a step here to be able to do this in the way that we think it needs to be done. And there's a gap there. Now, secondly, helping small town and rural churches. We do not have all the answers on this, but here's what we know. <clears throat> Our network of churches, SEND network that we partner with, we have planted about 150 churches, right? Over the last decade or so in Cincinnati, around the Cincinnati area, the Columbus area, and the Cleveland area. 
And we are super grateful for that. As far as we know, it's the largest sort of church planting effort across Ohio. But where we see a serious struggle is in small town and rural Ohio. Can I just ask how many of us grew up in small town and rural places, right? Yep. You don't be ashamed, right? You need to raise your hand. I, I did. Right now, so Dean, our lead pastor, he was quoting this. He's from South, Southeast Ohio. We know of 16 churches just in our network who don't have a pastor right now. And that's true across the state in, in more ways than one. We've got small town and rural churches that are struggling. And so what we wanna do is invest more resources in figuring out how do we help? How do we uh, develop our digital platform in such a way that we can get training out to these churches, that they can go through training if they wanna learn, hey, how do you guys do the things that you do? If we can help them raise up a pastor or provide an interim pastor, we want to help. And we don't have all the answers, but we've sat around the table and said, man, God has provided for us and he has done something here uh, that is wonderful. And we need to bless others and give back and help in ways that will strengthen not just our local church, but the church. And so as we head into 2023, that's something we're giving toward as well. So with that said, we're gonna close out. We're gonna sing together and, uh, and then we'll be sent out. But I am asking just very clearly, if you're like, what do I do before I leave today? Man, if you're LifePoint, you say, I'm, I'm a member, regular tender, this is my home. I'm asking you today or this week to pray through this, individual or as a family, to pray through it, to fill it out and to make that commitment for next year. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We need you. God, we are so thankful for all that you have done and all that you have given us. And I ask God, uh, for those of us who are bound by the love of money, I am asking that today you would break that in our hearts. That Father, you would free us from that and we would have the joy of treasuring you above all else. God, will you provide for us in every way? Will you help us not to be anxious as we'll talk about next week, but to trust you for our provision? And then God, for any who are here today who may not know you truly, I pray that they just hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the offer, eternal life and the forgiveness of sin by turning from sin and trusting the crucified and resurrected savior. Would you trust him today? Father, we love you. In Jesus, it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.